This is a list of the five indriya or the five spiritual faculties and uh, just give a little introduction to them first. Um, you know, the basis of the Theravada teaching are the, seven, the 37 requisites of enlightenment or the 37 bodhibhakya dhammas and they you know, are subdivided into seven groups of qualities and those five spiritual faculties are one of those seven groups and when they are you know, still in development they are called spiritual faculties or indriya and when they are matured and unshakable then they are called the five bala or the five powers or five strength which is another list within those 37 bodhibhakya dhammas so they are very fundamental to the in the teaching and, and the word faculty means uh, a capacity, a potential capability or a quality of something in this, in this context of the mind and they are all you know very everyday qualities which through the practice according to the Buddha's you know, teaching we can develop them and can strengthen them and finally you know, make them uh, unshakable and then they become powers or strength. And in, in one way and the whole path of practice can be understood in just simply strengthening the innate faculties and make them into unshakable powers. That's the whole path. And uh, just going through them, sada, the first one, faith or conviction. That would be, you know, the opposite of having doubt in the possibility of, you know, being able to liberate the mind. And virya or energy, effort, perseverance is the opposite of you know laziness and you know not being able to motivate oneself to get started to start looking at the mind sati mindfulness or memory which is the opposite of forgetfulness samadhi stability or collectedness composure of mind which is the opposite of distractedness. And Panya, wisdom or insight, 
the opposite of ignorance. So those five uh, faculties, it's what we need to develop, you know, over lifetimes. And uh, the word Indriya stems from the name of an Indic, uh, a Vedic god, which was called Indra, and he was is the ruler of the Devas. So that word Indriya, you know, points towards a sense of control or dominance, which we can gain, you know, over the unwholesome qualities in the mind by developing those Indriya. And they protect the mind, you know, from getting overwhelmed by unwholesome qualities and also ease, ease the mind. And uh, so they are driving, you know, driving away darkness, driving away ignorance. It's like a, those five qualities, you know, each of them has a particular function, but together, you know, if they are developed together, they become, they strengthen each other. It's like, you can imagine it like a rope, which is consisting of five strands. And together, these five strands make a very <clears throat> powerful aid to pull ourselves out of darkness. And, uh, you know, like any skill, it's always very difficult in the beginning and looks rather hopeless. But then, you know, if we keep on working, if we keep on attending to it, it becomes easier and easier as we go along. Like learning an instrument, learning to drive a car, any of those skills in the beginning, it's, we cannot imagine that we ever be able to do it. But as we all, we have all here, we have all arrived here in cars, or most of you, so you, you can do it. And, you know, the first of those five faculties, faith, is what actually what's got you all here. Because if you wouldn't have faith in the possibility of, uh, you know, practicing this teaching and really using it for, for your benefit, you would never have come here. <clears throat> in the first place, because it's a very strange way of uh, spending eight days, you know, if you look from it from the outside, if you don't really know what's going on here, it's, uh, it looks a little bit weird, actually. <laughs> so one needs to have faith in order to, to come here and get started. And, uh, you know, the motivations are mostly centered around, you know, having maybe read something or met somebody, heard, heard something about there's a possibility, you know, of ending suffering, there's a possibility of making sense, you know, of uh, experience, and there's a possibility to get, to, you know, to point one's life into the right direction, even, you know, there will still be suffering, but it's that kind of suffering which leads out of suffering rather than leads us in circles. And you know, once we have uh, seen that or heard that or recognized it in any way that 
sense of faith and um, a motivation starts to just naturally rise up in the heart or in, in the chitta. And, uh, you know, it is not a sense of direction in space or in time, but a sense of direction in, you know, how our whole being turns into that direction. And I, I can very well remember, you know, when that happened for me uh, for the first time, when I, I met somebody who was really embodying that uh, sense of, of uh, liberation and how my own chitta, you know, who hadn't never heard about it, but was recognizing it just effortlessly, you know, because it also has the same potential. And when it's reflected back, in some way or another, it starts to awaken. And then, you know, we just need to actually keep on putting ourselves into a context, you know, which, which uh, continues that awakening. And, uh, you know, that's why people like to go to, to sit with teachers or even if the teacher doesn't speak, to just be in the presence of, or, you know, sometimes also certain um, <clears throat> traditions, they just have other technologies, just like looking into the eyes of somebody, or, you know, touching maybe here on the third eye, or like the hugging Mother Amma, you know, giving people hugs. There are so many different ways of, of doing this. And it's much easier, you know, as you all uh, know, because this way you came, I suppose, to do it together with, with Sangha, to do it in, in a group setting, because we all, you know, kind of help each other by creating an atmosphere which is conducive for that faculties which are already present to uh, get strengthened, to flourish. And... Uh, The Buddha, he has, uh, he has compared faith with a mag magical gem. You know, if, if the mind is very confused and we don't know, you know, where to turn, if there's that sense of faith, dropping it into the mind, then there is motivation, the sense of direction, or the sense of, you know, a, a recognition, aspiration, inspiration. It just starts to well up naturally. It's not something we can actually force, but it's just we have to awaken it. And, and there's many other, you know, like devotional practices which can also be, you know, very helpful, like chanting or, you know, having a, a shrine in, in one's own house. There are so many different ways, you know, how we can... Uh, through art and beauty and um, all of those uh, devotional qualities, we can ignite that faith. And then if there is a certain amount of faith, then energy just awakens also. It follows. Because if we have, you know, recognized or seen something we value, 
then energy comes forth because we want to you know, get the obstacles out of the way. We want to get closer to that. And then the energy or virya, the next of the uh, spiritual faculties, it's about you know abandoning. It's simp- simply speaking, it's about abandoning unwholesome qualities in the mind and cultivating wholesome qualities. And uh, and at the same time, you're not just. Uh, Developing also a sense of humor, a sense of lightness with what we are seeing in our mind when we are looking at it. Because it's pretty uh, kind of relentless, uh, you know, spinning over years and years and years of the same stories. And again and again, you know, we tend to get hijacked into it. And to just develop a sense of. You know, this is why the four Brahma Viharas are very important, so that we can actually stay kind with that process, you know, and develop a capacity to say, you know, no thank you, but you know, with a with a smile, because it's it's very easy, you know, to kind of uh, get caught up in it, in in the sense of wanting it to be different. And it is very important to really see what is going on because these are natural processes which are like deeply rooted, you know, in our body and mind. It's evolution, <coughs> evolutionary luggage, you know, which we are carrying along since several million years. So it's not like a, a small endeavor to harness those and turn them in the right direction. Because usually, you know, the body is all about just, you know, surviving and procreating and all of those very basic, basic qualities. And they have a, a place. But if they completely dominate our lives 24-7, then that is, uh, you know, not getting us anywhere in terms of creating wisdom. We have to, you know, make space around those energies, you know, which are very fundamental to the body. And we have to, you know, get a perspective on them. And, uh, you know, in order to, to do this, we have to train ourselves in mindfulness, which means you know, to really take an interest in what's happening and to really look look at it and uh, you know, stand next to it rather than becoming it. And that's what is very, it takes a lot of training, you know, to stand next to it and look at it and not become it. That's what mindfulness is all about. To not forget because when we are becoming it, we are forgetting what's happening and we are caught up and you know, we go down the hill and then at the end we wake up, oh my God, I've eaten the whole meal and I was not aware of it. Or I have been saying something or I have been you know, drinking something 
and all of those myriad ways, you know, how we can uh, leak energy. Because the practice is all about, you know, containing those energies and then allowing them to teach us about the workings of nature. And, uh, you know, and, and those four foundations of mindfulness, which are the essence, you know, of the meditation instructions uh, which, uh, which the Buddha has given us, they, you know, they are a template of how we can, you know, gain a certain amount of overview and control over the mind, you know, how how the mind is working. Because usually, you know, it, it looks like a, a tangle, a huge kind of tangle, which is like kind of going on and on and on. And through the four foundations of mindfulness, we have a way of looking at this tangle. And uh, there's a four inroads into this tangle. And then through looking at it in this way, it starts to disentangle. Because if we start pushing and pulling at that tangle, it just gets tighter and tighter. So we have to just, we rather have to step back and look at it. And those four foundations of mindfulness, you have all heard of them. Mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feelings, mindfulness of mind, mindfulness of mind states. And then the last one is mindfulness of dhammas, which are the laws of the workings of the mind. And uh, and what is really important is to to do that with a sense of uh, kindness, humor, spaciousness, the middle way, you know, between not buying into it, but at the same time allowing it to be what it is, and standing next to it and looking at it, and through that looking. You know, it starts to lose its kind of luster because we can see what is really happening, and uh, it's a it's a clarif- it's a clarifying process, a cleansing process, and that's when the next uh, uh, faculty starts to arise, which is. Um, Samadhi, or stability of mind, collectedness of mind, and uh, steadiness of mind. So having, you know, having that ability to see the flow of experience and not getting sucked into it. And that's and that doesn't come, you know, samadhi. Sometimes it's translated as concentration, which is not really a good word for samadhi, because it's not about you know concentrating and in the sense of concentrating on a small point and cutting out the rest. But it's it's uh, the stability of mind comes from uh, letting go and from relaxing with what is happening. Therefore, you know, collectedness or stability of mind is, is a better word. 
and then you know the mind comes together and you know becomes a strong beam which we can then turn towards impermanence and and the, towards the constant changing nature of our experience and you know through seeing impermanence the mind automatically starts to let go so the whole you know the, the whole uh, development of those five faculties is all about you know getting the mind ready to see impermanence so deeply that it lets go and uh, you know and is less and less poised towards you know holding on to the pleasant and pushing away the unpleasant but the mind becomes more and more able to just stay with the flow knowing the pleasant is impermanent and the unpleasant is impermanent it doesn't make any sense to attach to it and that's really you know what liberates the mind from ignorance that deeply seeing the three characteristics impermanence unsatisfactoriness and empty of selfness or anatta of all phenomena and uh, you know and through developing the indriya in this way they become uh, the five powers the five balas because they are no longer swayed you know by by the opposites as long as you know as long as the mind is still in the stage of working with the indriya we are still swayed by doubt and laziness forgetfulness distractedness and and ignorance but once you know those five indriyas have been fully matured that that swaying doesn't happen any longer so there is no more becoming happening the mind you know is so strong that it can stand next to what is happening and doesn't you know get sucked into it and you know and through that wisdom which which is basically the capacity of seeing those three characteristic characteristics which then you know translates into letting go and then once we have seen that very clearly that strengthens again faith very much and then you know faith and wisdom need to work together because wisdom is is the capacity to see what is real and then faith is the capacity to really act on it so to really live what we have seen in the meditation and then if we really are able to live what we have seen in the meditation in our daily lives then that strengthens wisdom and they are just like intertwined processes and if wisdom 
you know, wisdom is too strong and faith is not, not strong enough, then we are not really able to live what we, what we have seen. We, we are not really able to integrate it. And if faith is too strong, then we are just, you know, believing anything somebody tells us. And if it doesn't come from our own experience, it's also not strong enough. So those two qualities, you know, faith and wisdom, they are really <clears throat> doing the work. And, uh, and energy and stability of mind, they are supporting it. And then there is the mindfulness, which is is the quality with, which is balancing samadhi and energy and wisdom and faith. It's often it's compared to a bird. You know, if if um, mindfulness would be the bird, then there's the two wings. One wing is um, stability of mind. The one wing is samadhi and and energy, samadhi and virya, and the other wing is wisdom and faith. And in the beginning, you know, when the bird is uh, when the bird is still small, it just uh, you know it has to just flap its wings for a long time until the wings get strong enough, and then the day comes, you know, when it starts to to fly. And then later on, you know, it it becomes effortless. And that's the same with those faculties. And. Um, And the Buddha said, uh, you know, when those, those five faculties, when they are developed and regularly cultivated, they lead to the deathless, are bound for the deathless, culminate in the deathless. And the deathless is another way of, of saying Nibbana or liberation. So, you know, this is a very <clears throat> simple list and I think that's why we have chosen this list because it's it doesn't look like rocket science it's just five qualities and you know they are already innate in the mind we just need to recognize them and then strengthen them through the practice of meditation and through our lives. And the, you know, the, the uh, eight precepts, for example, they are also a great support, you know, in turning the whole being into the right direction. And then using those five faculties as, uh, you know, as fuel to to kind of walk, uh, to go into the right direction. And I think it's, it's really very useful, you know, for oneself to, to for example, reflect, you know, when, when the, the first time in, in your practice you had that experience, 
that sense of, uh, of possibility, that there is something, you know, which can lead us out of confusion. And to remember that, you know, especially when the, you know, when we sometimes lose, lose faith, you know, that we can do this or get really kind of caught up in, in the mind and not, not seeing the light, so to say. It's very important to remember those moments or this moment when we had a very clear sense of possibility and, and come back to it. So share with you a quote from the Dhammapada where the Buddha says, better to live for one day experiencing the arising and passing away of phenomena than to live for a hundred years without having that understanding. Because it, you know, it sounds so kind of simple, you know, arising and passing away, yes, I know. But we don't know. Because if we would really know we've been enlightened. So I think that's, you know, that's very good to remember because it isn't really very complicated, but it needs a lot of uh, clearing away of distractions and of obstacles and of arousing, you know, interest in, in the simplicity of the arising and passing away of phenomena. And this is why you know, this practice can be done you know, 24-7, at least theoretically. You know. We don't need to be on retreat. Because sometimes we just tend to say, OK, I'm going to practice again when I'm going to go on retreat the next time or when I have time. But we actually are looking at the arising and passing away of phenomena we could do much more frequently. And, you know, and an opportunity of retreat, just, you know, if we can use it to really, you know, get that deeply embedded into our being, that this is the way out, you know, to just clearly see the arising and passing away of phenomena all phenomena, there is not just special phenomena, but everything. You know, within our own body and mind, in terms of the four foundations of mindfulness, but also, you know, outside of ourselves, in others or in other things, even the whole planet, everything. And I think, you know, because it is, it's so simple, it's so basic, it's so fundamental. It's, it's so kind of everywhere and penetrating everything. But somehow, it escapes us. So we have to develop those five faculties in order to sensitize, you know, our equipment 
so that it can recognize that. Because, you know, this equipment got us very far, you know, over millions of years, you know, and when some of our forebears, you know, came down from the trees, and uh, we still have those energies in us, but we can also develop a perspective on that. And those faculties, you know, are one way of going at this. There's, you know, other lists which also work, and they all work together. For example, the seven factors of enlightenment, the noble eightfold path, the four noble truths, just to mention a few. And they all, you know, point in the same direction. To gain a sense of perspective on our experience. And and then, you know, by being calmed through having a sense of perspective, through having some space around it, then that gives us the possibility to see the arising and passing away, and that is liberating. So all of those different lists, all of those different practices in all schools of Buddhism, you know, from Theravada, the early teachings, up to Vajrayana, Sokchen, all of those teachings, they all are about strengthening those five faculties so that we can see the arising and passing away of phenomena. And that's it. And it sounds so simple, because it is so simple. But it's difficult to do, because we need to, you know, work against the doubt which arises in the mind and the laziness and the forgetfulness the distractedness and the ignorance the darkness of ignorance but at least you know, we have a road map which is better than many other things to have a road map so we can go in the right direction and, you know, we're going to share this roadmap of the five faculties with you over this retreat, and you can take it home with you. So that's what I wanted to share with you today, tonight, rather. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.